welcome to the second episode of the Sports Sentiment. I am your host, Nick Urias, and we are finally days away from a full slate of Sunday football. We are recording this on a Thursday, and you know what that means. Thursday night football between the Buffalo Bills and the defending Super Bowl champ, Los Angeles Rams. This is going to be an awesome game, but this is only the start. This is only the appetizer game because what we have on Sunday are some big-time matchups, some intriguing storylines, and most importantly, some insane finishes to what are going to be some awesome football games. But before we get into all of that, we still have 16 more teams to break down. Switching gears from the AFC, now attacking the other side of the bracket in the NFC conference. If you haven't already, go check out our AFC preview. All of our expectations for every team in the AFC is available now wherever you get your podcast. But today, in this episode, it is all about the NFC, and we're here to tell you all about it. To kick off the NFC, we have the Arizona Cardinals, and this is a team under Cliff Kingsbury at head coach and Kyler Murray at quarterback that have gotten off to some ridiculously hot starts to start the season. But disappointing finishes to close out the season. This was a team last year that was the last undefeated team in the league. They started out 7-0, and but they didn't even win their division in the NFC West, and they got bounced in wildcard weekend to the Rams. So this is a team that gets off to a scorching hot start, but they have a hard time finishing it all off and playing consistent football for 17 weeks. Every team in the National Football League is going to have a clunker game where they just don't bring their best brand of football that week, and that happens to every single team. Yet, this is very problematic if, if you're running the Cardinals because this is not something that happened in 2021, if you go back to previous years with Kingsbury and Murray at that head coach and quarterback duo, they were running into the same problems whether Kyler Murray gets hurt. It happens in, in different ways each year, but it's still the same result in terms of they start out hot and then they hit rock bottom and the wheels fall off. Now, things are a little different this year because their best receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, is suspended for the first six games. So if we just go by the trends this team probably could theoretically win a large percentage of their games without him and when you get him back down the stretch into the middle and later half of the season you could play to the level you're at but this is a team where the defense really underperformed last year for what the personnel and what they had on paper this is an offensive line too which I think is going to take a step down and most importantly this NFC West division is still good with the Rams and the 49ers up on top. Now, everything's going to be all about consistency with the Cardinals, yet this is a team I do believe in them, and this is coming from a 49er fan, by the way. Like, I do believe in them to do good because when when their, their A game is one of the best A games in football. Their offense is explosive. Their defense very rarely miss tackles. It's a very good A game, yet when they don't perform to their best that we've seen in previous years, they could really play bad and we saw it last year when they lost to the Detroit Lions who were an absolute train wreck last year and they were playing so bad to the point where they just threw in the towel in the fourth quarter and pulled Kyler Murray so I think this team does have some questions to answer I think this is quite honestly one of those teams where I have no idea what to expect this is probably the team that has like the widest range of terms of how good or bad they can be because this is a team that could be first place and win the division and potentially be one of the top seeds in the NFC. And this could also be a team that's third that finishes third place in the division and misses the playoffs. So Kyler Murray got the bag. He's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. I think he needs to stay healthy for a full season. I think now it's to the point where you've been hurt the past two years. You need to finally answer the call and stay on the field for a full 17 games. And this is a team, you were the, one of the laughing stocks in the league when you were had a problem finding your quarterback and Larry Fitzgerald was farming yards late in his career. But you've had time with Cliff Kingsbury. He's finally exited the college game. He's well established in the NFL now. He's going into his fourth as the Cardinals head coach. It's time for this team to take the next step. However, I don't know if they could because it all comes down to how they play in December. Our next team in the NFC is the Atlanta Falcons, a team that is going to be massive underdogs in pretty much every game they're playing in this year, and for good reason. Their offensive line is absolutely abysmal. 
their left tackle, Jake Matthews, is probably the only proven lineman that deserves to start on this roster. Quite honestly, all the other four guys are probably backups on decent teams. You got this defense and outside of Grady Jarrett on your defensive line, this defense is looking to get shredded through the air on the ground. They're, this defense is going to be bad. Their skill position talent is actually pretty good. You know, you got Drake London, who I think Falcon fans are actually really excited what he can bring to the table and improve this offense. You got Brian Edwards. He brought He's coming over from the Raiders. Kyle Pitts, he's probably going to emerge himself into one of the top tight ends in the league sooner rather than later. And you bring in Marcus Mariota, who's quite honestly on this Falcons roster just to survive the disaster. And he's quite honestly only here for the rebuild. He's not here for the long term. So I think this Falcons team is going to just have a really tough 2022. I think this a bottom three football team in the National Football League this year. And they're in this spot for a reason, by the way. It's all because of the insanely bad contract that they gave to Matt Ryan in 2018. A five-year, $150 million contract. $100 million in guaranteed money. And he's not even on the team anymore. So that's resulted in $40 million in dead cap, dead money. Money that you can't spend on other any other players. Money that's just you can just throw down the garbage disposal. And $40 million is a lot of money. That is a lot in terms of we're talking in the salary cap. So the team is in the position they're in because of that. And quite honestly, they deserve it because that was a massive mistake by the front office. So until that money goes away and it's not going to flush out for two years, this team is in a terrible spot. Not to mention you play in a, a much improved division with the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Panthers are probably going to be much improved. We're going to talk about them momentarily. So I think this Falcons team is just doomed for a really bad season. And I don't think you're going to be watching this team unless you're a fantasy owner of one of these wide receivers slash skill position players. Let's keep it in the NFC South division and let's talk about a Carolina Panthers team that quite honestly has a lot to prove between their quarterback Baker Mayfield, running back Christian McCaffrey, and head coach Matt Rule. Let's start with the quarterback Baker Mayfield. He was a Cleveland Browns in 2021. He played on a torn labrum for a large percentage of the year. Numerous players in the organization threw him under the bus. And I think Kevin Stefanski put him in several situations last season to underperform. I think the playbook dramatically changed. And I think he was sending a message to Baker that we don't want you here. Running back Christian McCaffrey now. This is a guy that has yet to stay healthy for the past three seasons. He had that one rookie year and then got the bag and hasn't been around since in terms of being on the football field. And head coach Matt Rule, this is a team under Matt Rule that has underperformed for several years. Yet, I'll give him some credit because he has yet to have a proven quarterback. I think this is the last straw for him. He's been on the hot seat in 2021. He's on an even hotter seat in 2022, and you got your quarterback now. You had P.J. Walker. You had Sam Darnold. You even had Teddy Bridgewater for one year. You got Baker Mayfield now. There's no excuses. A former number one overall pick. You're getting a Baker Mayfield that is going to be feeling dangerous this season for everything that he dealt with last year, and he is on his revenge tour and starting in week one because he plays his former team in the Cleveland Browns. Let's talk about... Carolina Panthers team has rebuilt, starting with the offensive line. They bring in Austin Corbett, former Los Angeles Ram. Bradley Bozeman, a really good budget lineman that is going to impact this team in the trenches. And they spend their first round dr draft pick in Akima Kwanu, who was one of the top linemen in the NFL draft in 2022. Let's talk about this defense, because I think this defense has a chance to be pretty good. They got a bunch of young guys that no one's really talking about in Brian Burns and Derek Brown on the defensive line. They got J.C. Horn, former first-round pick, heading into year two. And they got Jeremy Chin, who raised some eyebrows in his rookie season. So I think this team, when you look at each position, they have a lot of things to like about. Yet, I think it's going to come down to health for this team. And for Matt Rule, if he has another disappointing season, I think he's already on the hot seat heading into this season. I think he's going to be on the electric chair and ultimately out as the Carolina Panthers head coach and ultimately going back to college for another gig. All right, so let's transition to what I think is going to be the worst team in the National Football League this year, and that is the Chicago Bears. A Chicago Bears team that is basically restarting from square one. They fired their head coach and Matt Nagy. They got rid of Ryan Pace, the general manager, 
this offseason. Who they bring in? They brought in Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator for the Colts. So he's a first-year head coach stepping into a full-on rebuild, as well as Ryan Poles they bring in at general manager. Now, this team has over $110 million in cap space, so that, t- all, that tells you all you need to know in terms of the general makeup of this roster. Nobody's getting paid on this roster. It's just a bunch of rookie contracts. They went fire sale during the offseason in terms of all their pending free agents that they just let them walk away. This is a team in a rebuild. And why I think this team is going to be the worst team in the league, and it all starts with their offensive line. This was the worst offensive line in the league last year. They gave up 58 sacks, and oh, by the way, they never addressed the issue at all. They didn't even draft a lineman until like the fourth or fifth round. So this offensive line is going to be absolutely brutal once again. Justin Fields is going to be running for his life. By the way, Fields has no weapons to throw to. They're so high on Darnell Mooney. He's the wide receiver one. Dude's probably a wide receiver two at best, wide receiver three on a really good team. So I understand Fields and Mooney have always had that chemistry since day one, so they're just rolling along with it. They bring in Byron Pringle from the Chiefs. He's a speedster, but he doesn't really jump off the page as like a really good receiver that should be a wide receiver too on this team. Cole Komet, they're really high on the guy. They like the guy, but he's just going to put up a probably a bunch of good numbers, not really make a dramatic impact. David Montgomery, this dude, he's a stud, but he's got no offensive line to run behind that can't pass block or run block. We saw it last year. He had, for how talented he is as a running back, had a hard time just finding ways to run in between the guard and the center. So that's going to be a massive issue. Another thing is everyone talks about the Bears defense like, oh, he'll keep it together. He'll keep it upright and upfloat this team. Well, guess what? Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks are gone, the two anchors of this defense. So, And if you think Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith are going to solve all your problems on this defense, you better put your hard hat on the right way because this defense is going to be on the field for extremely long stretches in football games. And... That's not good at all over the course of four quarters. And fatigue is going to start to set in, which leads to busted coverages and missed tackles. The list goes on. So I think this defense takes a step down, a defense that, for the most part in Chicago, has been pretty good even in their down years. But I think this year, for the Chicago Bears, they're going to be a tough watch just how they were last year. And I think they're going to be, you're going to see this team spend a lot of money in free agency and really start to build the core of this team going into this offseason and in the draft. So I think the team, they know they're not going to be good. They claim that they're going to be good, but I could just tell you right now, this is going to be one of the worst teams and I'm picking them to be the worst team in the National Football League. Let's talk about America's team and that is the Dallas Cowboys, a Cowboys team that quite honestly, I don't think wins the division this year. And I think they're going to be fighting hard down the stretch to the season just to secure a wild card spot. You know, this is a team that's got way too many questions heading into the season. The health of Michael Gallup, and he's currently on the injured list or he's out to start the season. But even when he gets back, the longevity of his health over the course of 18 weeks, I have questions about Ezekiel Elliott. When are they going to promote Tony Pollard to running back one? Elliott had the good rookie season insane rookie season and after that he's had ball security issues there's just been questions all over the place year after year with Zeke they got to move on from him the problem is the contract is ridiculous so they kind of just got to let him be on the team Tyron Smith the main guy on this offensive line he plays the most important position at left tackle he's responsible for Dak Prescott's blind side in the pass blocking game he's always been hurt every single year when Prescott has been under center, and by the way, he's hurt to start the season this year. It's a massive injury. He'll be lucky if he plays six games at the most. Another thing is, too, the Cowboys have always been known for their heavy air raid offense, if you will, and with all the weapons they have at wide receiver, who's going to support this team this year? They got C.D. Lamb as wide receiver one, but they let Cedric Wilson walk. Amari Cooper departs to Cleveland. James Washington, one of their pickups in free agency, former Pittsburgh Steeler, he gets hurt early in camp. So you're putting a lot of faith in C.D. Lamb and Jalen Tolbert, your rookie third-round pick out of South Alabama, 
to really do damage here in this wide receiver room, and I just don't see it. Now, another thing we got to talk about is Mike McCarthy and just his poor clock management in games. This dude will just run out the clock when his team has an opportunity to go put more points on the board. He chokes in the big games, and even in the playoffs last year, we saw it. Just the inconsistency across the board with his play calling and more so just on the offensive line, and that comes down to him. The offensive line, that's they're the reason why they lost that playoff game to the 49ers. 17 penalties, even in preseason week one. So this offensive line is not even improving and just never got better in training camp during the offseason. Not to mention you're rolling out even worse personnel than you did last year. So I think this Cowboys team is going to have a hard time winning games, especially early on when the season starts. We'll see in the back half of the season. But and not to mention you got competition now. You got the Philadelphia Eagles you're chasing. And we'll talk about the Eagles. This Eagles team is going to be really good this year. Now, I also want to talk about Jerry Jones for a, for a little bit. Because even though he's a good businessman and he's a really good owner for this Dallas Cowboys team, he's really expanded the brand more so in the past decade. But if I'm a player on the Dallas Cowboys, don't you doesn't got to be a little bit of a distraction that you go on a local uh, radio show in Dallas every year and critique this team every single week and how good or bad they played? against their opponents. To me, that's just very questionable. You see with these owners, look at Steve Cohen, the New York Mets owner. The dude opens his mouth way too much. If you're an owner, I understand you're running the team and all, but at some point, you don't got to you don't got to flap your gums every other week on Twitter or live on the air. Just sit back, let the team do their thing and just work in silence. You don't got to critique your team every other week here, I ultimately think that that's somewhat of a distraction to Dak Prescott, this offense, the head coach, everything that's going on with this Dallas Cowboy team. You know, we know the book on the Dallas Cowboys is that they're going to beat up on all the bad teams in the league. But when it comes to the big game, when it comes to, when it comes to playoff time in January, this team will always find a way to fold in the big moment and that's just how it's been with the Dallas Cowboys for quite honestly the past 30. All right, so let's get into a team that's actually gotten a little bit of hype the past couple of weeks because of the Hard Knocks series, and that is the Detroit Lions. And I'll tell you what, I really like the Detroit Lions and the way that they're building this team. It all starts on offense with this team. The offensive line has been good for the past couple seasons now. It is still really underrated, really good unit up front. They are battling some injuries, but I think in a year or two, you're going to hear a lot more about this offensive line doing work in the run in the passing game to improve this offense. The skill position talent was really bad last year, much more improved. Amon Ross St. Brown, one of their draft picks last year out of USC, he's due for a big year in terms of fantasy-wise. DeAndre Swift, their starting running back, also in that conversation of doing big things this year. Jamal Williams, I really like Jamal Williams. Backup running back for this team, really has a big-time voice. He's really the leader of this team. We've seen it on whether it's the Hard Knock series or just before like the pregame hype stuff. He gets into it. He reels the team together, and I like that. You need a guy like that. And, of course, they got their pieces in Hawkinson, and they got some good complimentary pieces. But to me, it's all about the defense. This is a defense that I need to see a lot more of, and this is why this team is honestly not winning games. It's because of the defense. This team, so many busted coverages. They can't stop the run. I love the Aiden Hutchinson pick. It's a step in the right direction. To me, the biggest player on this defense that – needs to answer some big questions is Jeff Okuda. He was the number three overall pick a couple years ago out of Ohio State. It's his time to answer the call to see if he was worth all that hype in the draft. But even more so, just I, this is going to be a, a defense that is probably going to get torched again. And now the Lions really need to focus on this defense heading into the draft and the offseason. This is just a full evaluation period on just who is here for the future of this franchise? Who's going to start? Who's going And that's my big thing on the Lions. They remember they were in a lot of games last year. They lost a lot of games in heartbreaking fashion. 
the one that put the icing on the cake was the Baltimore Ravens game when Justin Tucker drilled like like the 68-yard field goal. Absolutely insane. But that was like the theme of the Lions season last year. And it was because of the defense. You know, the te- the offense was actually keeping them in games. They were actually scoring a decent amount of points with how bad I think it, it could be that same way this year because of how bad the defense is now. At some point, you're going to have to replace Jared Goff because he is not your long-term answer. A young quarterback to really build this team. But to to be honest, this team honestly doesn't have too much more. They're competing within the division. It all starts with their defense, filling in every single hole you possibly can, and the quarterback. But outside of that, I think you know this team is going to lose a lot of close games once again. But I'm really interested to see how their young guys play. and. It's honestly just an evaluation period for the Detroit Lions, but that's good because you want to know who's here to stay and who honestly just needs to get bounced out in the future. Let's talk about a team that has absolutely dominated the Detroit Lions, and that is the Green Bay Packers, a Packers offense that is going to look much different heading into this season with the departure of Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers' best receiver, probably not only in recent years, but probably you can make an argument that he's had his entire career. They're not going to have that this year. So who's going to be the guy to step up in this passing attack? It could be Alan Lazard, but is he a true number one? Cobb's getting, Randall Cobb, who's been around, he's getting older. Watkins is so-so. Is it going to be one of the young guys? Romeo Dobbs, can he step the equation here? He had a good preseason with Jordan Love, as well as a good training camp. So There's a couple question marks heading into this season in terms of how's the the offense through the air going to look. So Rodgers is going to have to establish some chemistry. One guy that he's got terrific chemistry with that nobody's really talking about heading into the season is Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon, he's been around in this offense. He has chemistry with Rodgers. He's built it for the past couple seasons. Rodgers likes him on and off the field. However, Tunyon tore his ACL in the middle of the season in 2021 and the offense really just never operated the same as crazy as that sounds just because there was just a major drop-off between Tunyon and the backup Mercedes Lewis. Lewis is kind of older. He's more of a blocking type tight end. Rodgers likes to target his tight ends in the red zone. We saw it a lot with Tunyon in past years that he's kind of just sneaky good and he doesn't really put up the numbers but he impacts his offense pretty significantly when he's on the field. I could see Tanya having a breakout year. The good news is with the Packers is that, you know, you don't really have to necessarily dominate in the air as much as you have in recent years. You got a terrific one-two punch with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I could, this one-two punch doing a lot of damage specifically early in the year while this offense has its growing pains, kind of still trying to establish chemistry between the young guys. Who's the true number one? Of course, injuries between Lazard is a problem right now. So I think this Green Bay Packers team is probably fine. I think the defense is going to be really, really good, and it's going to keep them in a lot of games. This is a defense that we kind of saw towards the tail end of last year that it was starting to peaking at the right time into the playoffs. I think that's gonna they're going to start right away dominating and showing why they're going to be a top five defense overall in the league. So... I'm not completely worried like the sky is falling with the Green Bay Packers because this is still a really good football team. But if Aaron Rodgers does not establish chemistry at all with his receivers, the blame is on him because he could have played in the preseason. He could have stayed after practice to run routes with the new guys. This thing doesn't work out early. He's got to accept all the criticism and all the responsibility if this team does experience some problems on offense. And I don't think this year is going to just be a an easy ride to a division title for the Green Bay Packers. Minnesota Vikings are much improved, a team that we're going to talk about momentarily here. This is going to be an absolute brawl for the division title this year. And Green Bay is going to have to figure out their passing attack quickly here with the new guys and Rodgers. Otherwise, This team could be in some deep waters and chasing early for the division. Let's talk about the defending Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. A team last year heading into 2021 that 
was already well established with Sean McVay. They had the pieces together. You know, the playbook was already in place. The schemes, the offense, the defense, everything was already intact. The one thing that they were missing was the quarterback to take them to the promised land. And boy, did they take the league by storm. Cooper Cup, an insane year. Matthew Stafford proved all the haters wrong that he could win in the big time games. And not only did they win the division, they took out the Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Cincinnati Bengals to take them to win the Super Bowl. Now, let's not live in the past. Let's talk about this Rams team heading into the season. And a Rams team that, quite honestly, I don't think is going to be able to replicate that. You know, we always talk about, oh, the Super Bowl hangover, the team that lost the Super Bowl always takes a step back. And for good reason. We talked about it last episode. It's well documented. All those teams do take a step back to a certain extent. However, nobody talks about the teams that win the Super Bowl, them replicating their performance that they had the year they won it all. And we've seen it. You know, it's just so hard to win back-to-back Super Bowl. It hasn't been done in forever since the Patriots did it with Brady years and years ago. Everyone talks about the losing team. Let's talk about the winning team because... It's just so hard to go back-to-back because of the chemistry with players, same players not returning. And to a certain extent, there's also a luck factor that goes into winning a Super Bowl, having a favorable matchup in a playoff game, the ball bouncing your way. Some guys might not bring it or have their best game at Sunday. This Rams team, based on their lack of depth in certain areas, Andrew Whitworth retires at left tackle. That's a big loss. Darius Williams, opposite of Jalen Ramsey at the cornerback position, he's gone. Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr., capable vets that really impacted this Los Angeles Rams roster deep in the season and on their playoff run. They're not here anymore. So I think this Rams team is, I'm not saying that they're going to miss the playoffs or anything, but this team will make it in. But I think with the with the absences of those players, they're going to go through their growing pains to a certain extent. And at the same time, I don't see this team really going all the way because there's just so many more talented football teams in the National Football League with all the turnover we saw in free agency and during the offseason. However, a name I do want to throw out there that's due for a really big season for the Rams. Everybody knows about Cooper Cup and how he took the league by storm last season and all the numbers he put up. Allen Robinson, this guy is going to electrify this offense and be problematic for defenses. He's been a number one wide receiver his whole career. He comes into this Rams team as a number two wide receiver. He suffered in Chicago's rebuild the last two years. He's had mediocre quarterbacks throw to him throughout his entirety of his career. Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, a young Justin Fields, and Andy Dalton. He gets a significant quarterback upgrade in Matthew Stafford. It may not click early between Stafford and Robinson, but towards the middle and back half of the season, Allen Robinson is going to be an X-factor this team. And while all the attention is on Cooper Cup, look for Allen Robinson to really torch defenses. You know, this offense is still going to be good because McVay's scheme with the wide zone and all the tight formations, it's it's really tough to play defense on and all they stuff all the stuff that they do in the run game. However, it's it's just so tough to replicate and go all the way back to the Super Bowl when teams have teams have tape on you and there's just always a luck factor and injuries are always in play. With that being said, do the Rams go back to the Super Bowl and go back to back? No. Do they win the division? Maybe. Will they be a wild card team and make the playoffs? Most definitely, and they'll probably get bounced sometime in the playoffs because there are some teams in the NFC that are just better than the Rams roster that is currently on the field. Let's talk about a team that I think is going to make a decent amount of noise in the NFC this year, and that is the Minnesota Vikings. And the first thing we got to start with the Vikings is the head coaching change, and that was when Mike Zimmer got bounced out during the offseason. They bring in Rams offensive coordinator, Kevin O'Connell, and I think this is a massive upgrade at head coach. You know, Mike Zimmer, no offense to Zimmer, but they were just living in the dinosaur age with him. He was a defensive guy. They were underperforming with him. All the guys that they brought in on offense, 
You know, their offense was so predictable, run it on first down, run it on second down, have a holding penalty on third and medium or third and short, and then Kirk Cousins would be flushed out of the pocket on a third and 14 play, and he would just throw an incompletion and try to make something happen, and they'd put him in all these situations that just wouldn't work. So I think Kevin O'Connell, they're bringing in, like what we talked about with the Rams, it's the same offense, this wide zone offense, tight formations, which means you're going to see the wide receivers block a lot more than you've seen in years past. You're going to see this year, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, they're going to be throwing blocks within this run game. It's all a part of what the Sean McVay and Kevin O'Connell offense is all about. With that, you're going to also see some explosion. I think with Justin Jefferson, it's a lot of yards after the catch stuff. We saw it with Cooper Cup. That's exactly what he did. They attacked the middle of the field. Remember, Cup would always just run these slant routes. He'd get open, and he'd do all his damage after he caught the ball in the open field. I expect a lot of that with Justin Jefferson. Expect their tight ends to block a lot with Irv Smith. And with that, they got a lot going on here in terms of the guys that they bring in. They got, you know, just a lot of underrated pieces. They got, first of all, Adam Thielen, a guy that just doesn't get enough credit. He is an awesome number two in support of Justin Jefferson, who's going to have a superstar and record-breaking year, in my opinion. They bring in K.J. Osborne, a wide receiver number three that doesn't get enough credit for how good he is. He's developed chemistry with Kirk Cousins. Cousins loves to target him on third down. On a third and short, they just love to give him a little wheel route out into the flat. You know, they do a lot of things with K.J. Osborne. I think you're going to see it more so again this year. Irv Smith underrated blocking tight end he's a solid red zone target in the red zone quite a bunch the past couple of years and the defensive acquisitions this team has made during the offseason they bring in Harrison Phillips Zadarius Smith Jordan Hicks they pick up Lewis Seen the Georgia stud via the draft not to mention all the other guys that they have that have been there Daniil Hunter Harrison Smith you know the list goes on on defense this is going to be a really good defensive team. And I think we're going to see, and with that, this offense is going to be good with the much more modern offense that they're bringing in with Kevin O'Connell. Let's also talk about Kirk Cousins because I was doing some research on Kirk Cousins. This guy, he's heading into his fifth year with the Vikings. Can you believe this is his fifth different offensive coordinator? But that's just fascinating to me. You know, a, a bunch of one and dones here. And it's tough to learn a new playbook in the NFL. And it's one of those things that there's just so much stuff that goes into it, little details, different signal calls, the whole nine yards. We could go on and on and on. That's something that is something that doesn't get talked enough. And with that being said, I think you're going to finally get some consistency at offense. I think the Vikings have finally found their guy at head coach with Kevin O'Connell. And, you know, it's just a much more modern offense. I think Kirk Cousins is going to adapt and evolve and I think the players are going to come along with the ride you know Kevin O'Connell he seems like a really good locker room guy he's been around in the NFL for some time now he learned from McVay he learned from his leadership skills in terms of being that good guy O'Connell FaceTimed all the players after getting the job he's already establishing relationships so I really like what O'Connell is bringing to this Vikings team I think this is going to be a really tight division it's going to come down the division's up for grabs early in week one here, believe it or not. The Vikings played the Green Bay Packers, and this is going to set the tone for how good the Vikings are going to be. This is going to be a really tight NFC North division race, like we talk about with the Green Bay Packers. And I think that's why the Vikings are really a sexy pick to win this division because of all the all the turnover on offense with the Green Bay Packers. And there's just a lot to like about this Vikings team in terms of the culture change. And you can say a complete football team in terms of the defense and the offense and all the personnel that comes along with it. Another team that I have playing above expectations is the New Orleans Saints. And this is a Saints team that heading into the season is fully healthy, not something that wasn't the case last year. And let's start with Michael Thomas, one of the best wide receivers in the league when he's healthy. He hasn't had a full season of work since the Drew Brees retirement tour. He's back. The Saints also bring in Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry, former LSU Tigers. So they're back in their college town. 
The Saints also bring in one of the most under-the-radar signings of free agency in Marcus May from the New York Jets. David Onyemata, this guy on the defensive line, was suspended the first six games in 2021. He's back for a full season, and his play, quite honestly, just gets overshadowed for how good he is If because of Cameron Jordan. Him back for a full 18-game schedule is going to really impact this defensive line, especially early as they got some big-time games in the first half of this season. And Chris Olave, one of the biggest steals in this draft, in this past draft, first-round draft pick out of Ohio State. He's going to be a vertical threat for this offense. And with that, let's talk about Jameis Winston, who really showed flashes of being the best version of himself at the quarterback position last year. You know, he always gets a bad rep for his performance in Tampa Bay, and he was the first player, first quarterback ever to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in the same season, and things just never worked out for him in Tampa Bay. Bruce Arians never liked him. Now he comes to New Orleans, and he got it. he's been here for, for two seasons. He was sitting behind Drew Brees, which I think was awesome for him because it really just, just the ability to sit behind Drew Brees and just learn the whole offense and learn from a well-established and successful quarterback in the NFL. I think it really fixed a lot of his mechanics. He looked really good last year when he was healthy. He only played five games because he tore his ACL against the Buccaneers. But I think we're going to get a career year with Jameis Winston, not to mention the wide receiver room is massively beefed up. He was throwing to Marquez Callaway, Deontay Hardy, and Traquan Smith. Those guys are wide receivers 4, 5, and 6 heading into this year. And By the way, those are not bad receivers. But what he's got this year in Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, and Jarvis Landry, look out for the Saints offense. We already know about the Saints defense because we've seen it time and time again with this team that they can absolutely take a game over and hold a team to extremely low points this defense could take games over now everyone wants to talk about the absence of Sean Payton leaving the New Orleans Saints I don't think there's any lapses at all here you know you got Pete Carmichael who's been in the Saints organization for 15 seasons now yeah he wasn't calling plays but he's going to be calling the same stuff I think being with Sean Payton this is his time to shine I think the Saints offense is going to be rock solid with Carmichael. I don't think anything changes. And we, everyone wants to talk about Dennis Allen, but he's also a guy. He's been here. He's taken over games when Sean Payton couldn't for certain reasons. So I don't think I don't think the coaching is going to hold them back just because you got guys that have learned from Payton and, uh, and that have been in this room, established a relationship with the locker room. So if everybody's worried about that, I don't think it's going to be an issue. There's nothing to worry about that. The main thing with this team is health. Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas, they got to stay healthy for this team to succeed and as well as the defense for that matter. The main thing with this team is health. If they stay healthy, this team could really win this division. I have that much faith in the Saints this year. This team's going to look awesome. Transitioning into the NFC East where we talk New York Giants football. And first things first with the New York Giants, they got to figure out the situation with Daniel Jones this year is are you going to keep him are you going to sell him he has not had the best support system around him between his play callers and Pat Shermer and Joe Judge these guys have not been good at all the right the offensive line was absolutely brutal for the past four years finally gets resolved under proper management now with John Feliciano Mark Lewinsky Evan Neal at least for the on the right side of the line now you got Brian Dable as your head coach and your play caller. So there's no excuse for Daniel Jones. Now, we need to see massive improvements within his mechanics. You know, ball security was has been an issue for him his entire career. You know, sometimes especially when he gets under pressure and the pass rush starts getting to him. Yes, he's actually a good running quarterback when he gets completely flushed out of the pocket, but the ability to extend plays with him once when the pass rush gets to him and he's forced to make a throw, all hell breaks loose. And he minimized his mistakes to a certain extent last year. But under Dable, 
and new general manager Joe Schoen, you need to prove to all the guys in the front office that you're the guy and that you're here to stay. The New York Giants and Daniel Jones realistically need to win 8-10 to 10 games here. And I know everybody may be listening here and be like, holy mackerel, that's a big ask for this team. But when you look at their schedule, they got so many favorable games. They play the Bears, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Seattle Seahawks, the Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions, and the Washington Commanders twice. If you can't win a large majority of those football games, I have massive questions at the quarterback position for this football team. Not to mention, not only should you win all those games, you need to win against the upperclassmen of this division, and that is the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles. Something that the New York Giants haven't been able to do in the Daniel Jones era, and that is beat good football teams. We need to see that this year if Daniel Jones is realistically the guy. Switching gears on the defensive end. This pass rush is going to be sneaky good for this team. I think it's going to be dangerous. No one's really talking about it. You got Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau, who was an absolute game wrecker at Oregon during his college career. Yet he won't be starting the season due to injury. But this is an awesome 1-2-3 on the defensive line here. For the New York Giants, I think these guys are going to, with the combination of all three of them, could really get to the quarterback and cause some havoc for some for the opposing quarterbacks. Now, Blake Martinez, to me, was a big-time cut and was surprising to me because this guy's a tackling machine and could really stop the run. But I can understand where their Giants are coming from because, yet, he is a stud of a football player. The Giants are in a rebuild, and with new management coming in with Joe Schoen at general manager, he's just trying to flush out all the bad contracts that Dave Gettleman handed out. So I could see to where they're coming from here. I think the secondary for this defense, I'm not really too impressed with it. I think it's going to have its issues. So with that being said, Daniel Jones and the offense is going to really have to put points on the board, especially if I think they're giving up it. And this is going to have to be a team that Wins 8-10 to 10 games. Daniel Jones shows massive strides within his game and competes for this division. Do I think they can do that when it's all said and done? Probably not. And that's why with new and a new head coach, I could see these guys really pulling the plug on Daniel Jones once when the season is over. Let's keep it in the division and talk Philadelphia Eagles football. A team that has become very trendy Heading into the season is and is quite honestly the hipster pick to win this division and for good reason. I think a lot of people were impressed of what they saw in year one of Nick Sirianni of calling plays. You know, he had Jalen Hurts at quarterback coming into this head coaching position. And this team looked very sluggish on offense, mainly because Sirianni was coming in with his playbook and what he liked to run, but if you notice, he changed things on the fly, a large percentage of this playbook, and they just started running the football down everybody's throat, whether that be with Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Jalen Hurts running change kind of their offensive style and adjust during the middle of the season. It's actually pretty bold as well because that shows as a head coach that that you want to win and you want to get the most out of your quarterback and run their offense to what's going to make them flourish and play to their full capabilities. This is going to be a team that continues that trend running the football a lot. And Jalen Hurts is only going to get more and more comfortable. Now, I think a large reason why on why this team is hyped up is because of A.J. Brown, the addition of A.J. Brown. And I think he's going to take this offense to a whole nother level. You know, Devontae Smith as a rookie out of Alabama, everyone was talking about how he's so undersized. Well, he silenced the haters and had over 900 yards receiving as the number one wide receiver for the Eagles last season as a rookie. I think bringing in A.J. Brown is going to only, it's going to make this team a lot more explosive with that deep ball threat. And having Devontae Smith as that wide receiver too now is a perfect complimentary piece to A.J. Brown. So I think you could see this offense actually throw the ball a little bit more. I think you're going to see Jalen Hurts take a lot more deep shots than he has in past, mainly because he's got the weaponry to, to do that now with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith as a number two. 
you know, this Nick Sirianni run-heavy offense was one of the best in the National Football League last year. It all starts up front. This is a top three offensive line the Eagles have. And then exactly what we talked about with Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell. These are all three capable guys that could that could really do some damage and that especially Kenneth Gainwell, he's really underrated. And Jalen Hurts only adds another dynamic and dimension to this run game that only makes it more dangerous. Not to mention this Eagles defense is also really good with their pass rush as well. It's a large percentage of this division that the Eagles play in on why a lot of people like them a lot because this is the only team that doesn't really have a massive, massive problems. You know, there's a lot of inconsistency within the NFC East, whether it be coaching, personnel, certain holes in different positions. The Eagles are kind of just, you know, there's not a bad position. Like everything... It's not great. It's not, this team's not going to win a Super Bowl, but it's good enough to win the division. It's good enough to make some noise in the playoffs. And that's why a lot of people like this team. And I think AJ Brown and Nick Sirianni in year two is only going to make this team. Let's go from the NFC East to the NFC West and talk about a team in the San Francisco 49ers that are going to be very intriguing to watch over the course of the season because of their quarterback situation between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's start out with Trey Lance because he is the starter heading in to week one. And personally, I think he's setting up, he is set up very well to succeed with the personnel around him. Two under the radar pickups that the Niners had were Danny Gray, first third round draft pick out of SMU, and Ray Ray McLeod, who got picked up in free agency, former Pittsburgh Steeler. And these two guys are going to really open up the playbook for Kyle Shanahan because of their speed. And with Trey Lance at quarterback, his ability to extend plays outside of the pocket and showcase his arm talent. These are the two guys that you want one-on-one in man coverage. With their speed, they're going to be able to burn cornerbacks and ultimately get open for that home run ball. And something that we haven't seen in the Kyle Shanahan coaching era in San Francisco that I think it's going to be very exciting to watch. Now also, we got... The Debo Samuel situation becomes more fascinating with Trey Lance because he plays in that wide back wide back role that got introduced in the middle of the season in 2021. And this ultimately, based on that role and with Trey Lance at quarterback, it gives more options to the coaching staff. And they saw Debo Samuel in the backfield. All defenses would mainly do is just load up the box, put a bunch of guys on the line of scrimmage because they knew it was coming. Now, with you, when you got Lance's mobility, it opens up things for the Niners to run whatever they want, and it forces defenses to not overplay on the line of scrimmage because, because of Lance's arm strength, his ability to tuck it and run and extend plays on his own, not to mention they could still do whatever they want with Debo. So there's just more options when you got Trey Lance in this Debo Samuel role. Samuel is only going to excel because of Trey Lance at quarterback. And I think it's going to be something that defenses are going to, it's going to benefit the offense as a whole. Now, of course, when we talk about the 49ers, we can't talk about this offense without mentioning the run game, the bread and butter of this offense. It has depth everywhere as per usual. And there's always a different running back that flourishes in this offense every single year. Everyone wants to talk about Trey Lance's preseason week three struggles against the Houston Texans because he didn't look good yet. I don't think there's really too much to be worried about in a sense because this run game can bail you out based on the scheme that Shanahan has installed in this offense and that he brings. The ability to run the ball 40 times in a game and be successful with it and control the time of possession, drill the clock, yet still put up points on the board is insane. So it just puts less pressure on Trey Lance. And that's the beauty of having... A quarterback that's able to do so many more things offense while also having a heavy run offense at the same time. Now, I want to talk about this defense for the 49ers because I personally think that this defense is going to be as good as it was as the 2019 unit that took them to the Super Bowl. The starters on this defensive line, Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, they really struggled to start the season in 2021, but once when the Niners turned the corner, got hot, 
headed into the playoffs, this defensive line started dominating the line of scrimmage. You know, the secondary's always been an issue for the 49ers in the Kyle Shanahan era. They bring in Charvarius Ward, former Kansas City Chief. Now you've got Emmanuel Mosley opposite to him, and you also got Jason Verrett as a backup now. So this secondary is going to be very good. And not to mention that this defense has depth across the board. You look at what they did in preseason ball on defense, they dominated. And I'll tell you what, you can learn a decent amount from a team in the preseason and a lot of stuff you got to take with the grain of salt. But the number one thing when it comes to the preseason is that you can learn a lot about a team in terms of their depth. And the Niners got depth all over the place, especially on the defensive end. And what that means is that all these guys are just going to be on the special teams unit and just dominate. Not to mention, if there's an injury, a big-time injury that goes down, these guys could fill in the shoes. Now, one thing I do want to talk about, and that worries me about this Niners team early in the season, is this offensive line. There was a, there was a lot of moving parts with this offensive line heading into the year. Alex Mack retired, and he was a big-time underrated pickup last year just because he knew the Kyle Shanahan offense from when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Now Jake Brendel, who's got very little starting experience throughout his career, is the starting center now. You got Mike McGlinchey coming back from injury. Yes, he's a really good run-blocking lineman, but his pass-blocking is absolutely brutal. I worry about that. You also got two rookies starting at the left guard and right guard spots. Aaron Banks, second-year man out of Notre Dame, and Spencer Burford, who had a really good preseason and training camp. But I'm not necessarily worried from a run-blocking perspective because I think the the run scheme that is installed in this offense is just going to work based on the linemen that you plug and play. I am worried about the pass protection, though, with the new guys starting, with Mike McGlinchey. And once when you get beat, on the line of scrimmage, that's when an excessive amount of penalties can start coming in. Now, let's talk about this quarterback situation because it's really fascinating with Trey Lance and Jimmy G. And a lot of people may think, well, if Trey Lance struggles, especially towards the middle of the season, if he struggles against Chicago and Seattle, which I don't think he will, but that should be ra- that should raise major red flags early. And maybe we got questions for later in the year. But later in the year, This team has a gauntlet of a schedule. They play the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers. They play play all of the AFC West. They play the New Orleans Saints, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The list goes on. Big-time opponent after big-time opponent for the 49ers. And I just worry about this gauntlet of a schedule to a certain extent with Trey Lance. He's still a rookie. He's still learning. He He has very little college experience. There's barely any tape on him as a whole. And you got a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo that's been there. They've won with him. And you just got to think how that locker room is going to think if Trey Lance struggles at all in any game. Well, we got a guy in Jimmy G that's just collecting dust on the bench right now. And he knows the offense. He's been here before. We know that he could do his thing in a two-minute drill. Not to mention he's a really good locker room guy. Everybody there within the Niners organization loves him. So you got to think, if Trey Lance struggles, how is this team going to react? And how does the coaching staff react? Because the move with Jimmy G being the the starter for probably what would be the remaining of the year, or how does that damage Trey Lance's ego? And does that impact his future? So the Niners got a bunch of things going on here within the quarterback situation. I think it's just going to be very fascinating to watch. You just got to take it one week at a time. But this Niner team, based on what they've built on defense and with D'Amico Ryans and just the success of the running scheme and all the leaders in their locker room, I just don't see how this team doesn't win the NFC West. You got the Cardinals. They're kind of all over the place. The Seahawks we're going to cover in a minute here. They're not going to be really good. And the Los Angeles Rams, we talked about them. They're just not the same team as they were last year. So I think, you know, the quarterback situation is still in question in terms of we don't know who's going to be the guy late in the season. However, with all the pieces that the 49ers have 
surrounding the quarterback position, this team is destined to succeed. Our final team in the NFC West division that we've yet to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks. And let's not waste any time here. The Seattle Seahawks are going to be one of the worst teams in the National Football League this year. When you got a quarterback room with Geno Smith and Drew Locke, I just don't see how you're going to be able to win football games at a consistent rate. You know, you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but Tyler Lockett's always been, when Russell Wilson was there, as that deep ball threat to go over the top with and get those 65-yard type touchdown plays with Wilson and Lockett. And DK Metcalf, yeah, he's big in size, but I think he's going to be more useful with the Geno Smith offense, which is just a dink, he's a dink and dunk conservative quarterback, throws underneath. This offense is going to be really bad, especially within the passing game. And a large percentage of the offense is going to run within the run game. Rashad Penny, between Rashad Penny, Kenneth Walker, Travis Omer, and DJ Dallas, this is a this is a four-man wrecking crew here. And Rashad Penny is going to lead the charge here. Four out of the last five games of the 2021 season, he had 130 or more rushing yards. So I think Rashad Penny, I think from a statistical standpoint, could have a really good year. Kenneth Walker, he's dealing with a hernia injury, so who knows when he will return. But this guy's explosive and tough to stop in the second level. We saw that with the Michigan State Spartans, and I think the, the Seahawks really want to see what they have with him. This defensive unit for the Seahawks is going to get absolutely torched. They lacked a consistent pass rush last year. They were bottom five in sacks in 2021. They're bringing back the same guys that they did pretty much last year. Bobby Wagner, he departs, who is like that leader of the defense for the past couple of years, along with Jamal Adams, who needs to have a healthy and effective season for this defense. If he wants, if they even want to be somewhat decent, which now you're probably wondering, well, why is Pete Carroll of all people, you know, this is, this guy's is way up there in age. He doesn't want to go through a rebuild with the Seahawks. He had his fair share of winning at USC with the Seattle Seahawks early in the Russell Wilson era. They had, there had, he had his fair share of good moments. So why is Seahawks ownership just not moving on from him yet? Well, the problem is, is that they gave him a contract a couple years ago and he wants to collect his money on the way out here while the team sucks. And you're probably wondering, well, can the Seahawks just fire him? Well, no, they're going to just have a bunch of dead money. And it's just one of those things. Well, all right, we'll just write it out. We'll have, we'll have Pistol Pete try to attempt to run the ball down the opposition's throat while he just chooses bubble gum on the sideline and breaks his jaw. But the Seattle Seahawks are going to be a train wreck. And this is just an appear evaluation season for them in terms of are the young guys that they drafted, specifically with Kenneth Walker and the guys that they acquired in the Russell Wilson trade, are these guys the real deal in the long term while Seattle completely starts over with their rebuild? Now let's get into a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that has made a lot of headlines heading into the season because of all this Tom Brady drama. And it's something that the Tom Brady stuff doesn't worry me at all. Whatever. He had a 15-day absence. He needed to go take care of a thing, whether it was a family issue or the mass Singer. Everybody has their own theory on this thing. I'm quite honestly sick and tired of talking about it. And once when this guy gets on the football field, doesn't matter how old he is, he's out there for one reason, to win football games. And I think he's Tom Brady. He's the GOAT. He's going to do exactly what he needs to do to reel this team to another Super Bowl. Now, with that being said, I could see Tom Brady being frustrated early because of the offensive line. This offensive line heading into the season is going to be an issue. And with Tom Brady being 45, being a statue in the pocket, this is a guy that can't be mobile at all. He needs time. He's always needed time in the pocket. That's just always been the type of quarterback he's been. And the Ryan Jensen injury that happened in training camp is significant for several reasons. First of all, he's one of the best offensive linemen in the league. But outside of Brady, he's one of the most emotional players on this roster. This guy is one of the true OG Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This guy's been around before Bruce Arians, before 
Tom Brady, before a lot of these guys got drafted for Tampa Bay, he was there during the Jameis Winston era. So this is a true Tampa Bay Buccaneer OG. He's one of the vocal leaders on this team. And he's one of those guys, you could go ahead, Google Ryan Jensen when you're done listening to this podcast. This is a guy you don't want to mess with. He's just a 300-pound monster, really mean. He's the one guy you don't want to piss off on the football field because if you get into a fight with this guy, you're just simply going to lose the battle. So the Ryan Jensen injury to me is one of the biggest stories, quite honestly, in football right now because he just brings so much value to this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team along with Tom Brady. Now, outside of Jensen, we also got issues in the left guard spot, Brady has two offensive linemen that are currently hurt. And now he's going to get left guard Luke Gadecki. He's a rookie from Central Michigan. He's replacing Aaron Stinney, who got hurt in the preseason. So there's just all kinds of moving parts and commotion on this offensive line. Not to mention, you also lost two linemen during the free agency period with Ali Marpet retiring Alex Kappa moving to the Bengals. So there's just been a lot of moving parts with this offensive line. And we talked about Brady not being the most mobile quarterback in the world. This is going to be an issue to start out the season. And it's a brutal start to the season for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You play at the Cowboys. You play at the Saints. You face the Green Bay Packers. You're going against the Kansas City Chiefs. And you play at Pittsburgh to start the season. Good Lord, did those teams have some pass rushes that you don't want to mess with. So this offensive line is going to have to work quickly. Otherwise, you're going to get a very cranky Tom Brady in the second quarter of these games because this guy's just getting hit like an animal. And this is a Buccaneers roster that needs to remain healthy in the playoffs. You know, injuries during the back half of the season took out, took them out, whether it was the defense or the offense with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Brady was just throwing to a bunch of nobodies on this offense. And, you know, you got Mike Evans. This guy's always hurt every year. There's always something with this guy. You got Chris Godwin. And with that being said, this is a team that just needs to roll in into the playoffs. Even if you don't win a division, just get into the NFC playoffs, which Tom Brady could win you in game, in any atmosphere, in any stadium. Don't matter the conditions, rain, snow, shine. If this team gets into the playoffs, they're without a doubt a threat to win another Super Bowl. Our last team in the NFC that we've yet to break down is the Washington Commanders, a Commanders team that is going to have to dominate with their defense if they have any chance of being good. This was a defense that highly underachieved last season in 2021, absolutely brutal. And in 2020, a Washington defense that was the reason why they won the division title and a division title that they won with a 7-10 record, by the way. And it was because of Chase Young and his dominance and all the youth they had on the defensive side of the ball. So this defense is really going to have to reset themselves and take a, a step in the right direction and dominate just how they did in 2020 because... This offense for the Commanders is not going to be good at all. It starts with Carson Wentz. Why would you trade for Carson Wentz? I just don't understand it. You might as well just roll roll back out Taylor Heineke, who was honestly not that bad. Instead, you bring in Carson Wentz, and you're running a whole new offense with him, and you got to establish new chemistries with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dodson and Curtis Samuel. It's just a disaster waiting to happen with Carson Wentz. We saw it with the Colts. I honestly don't see how it manages to work with the Commanders. A Commanders organization that's just been stuck in this loop year after year of being mediocre. Remember, this Washington Commander team hasn't been good since like 2014 in like RG3's rookie year. And this is the problem when we talk about mediocre teams in sports is that they're just stuck in this loop of putting being a 7 and 10 team and they screw themselves over of having a good draft pick and and really taking a step in the right direction for their football team. Now, if I'm the general manager for the Commanders, you got to really pick your spots on defense in terms of 
who you like and who you got to move on from and who you want to build around, I think you'd need a well, a young quarterback. Carson Wentz is not going to get it done for you. I don't think Heineke long-term is going to get it done for you either. You know, Terry McLaurin's good. He's going to be there long-term. You got to rebuild this team within the trenches first and foremost. Pick your guys on defense. Find a well-established quarterback and a young quarterback, most importantly. Find your guys on wide receiver that you really like, and they really like Terry McLaurin. But this is a Washington Commanders team that's going to be really bad. I quite honestly don't have much to talk about them because they're just not going to be that good in my eyes. All right, so that is going to do it for our NFC breakdowns. Just on the way out here, let's give our division winners as well as our wild card picks for the NFC. We have the Eagles winning the East. The Vikings winning the North, the Saints winning the South, and the Niners winning the West. For our wildcard teams, we have the Buccaneers, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Green Bay Packers getting in in those three wildcard spots. You know, the NFC is much more predictable on who's going to get in and who's going to contend. We know who's bad, who's mediocre. In the AFC, you know, you could throw darts on who's going to be good, who's going to get in. It's going to be a much more... It's going to be much more difficult to get in in the AFC, whereas the NFC, you know, we could kind of make fair assumptions on who's going to get in, but the countdown to kickoff is officially on. Thanks to everyone who tuned in to our season previews on both the NFC and the AFC conferences. We will be back for another episode after week one concludes. We'll talk about the good, the bad, the ugly for each matchup. And we'll do so for the entirety of the regular season. Of course, I want to thank everyone who's tuned in to the Sports Sentiment. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.